Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me on the Fox Sports app or at foxsports.com. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. Perhaps you've heard the phrase, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. It's generally used as an excuse for copycats. And sports seem to be a particularly robust haven for copycats. I'm not talking about studying another player's moves or technique because those are foundational to playing the game. Studying predecessors and what they did to be successful and then following the same steps is practiced in every imaginable pursuit. What I'm talking about are all the extracurricular elements in sports. Clothing, hairstyles, dealing with the media, business interests, hobbies, perks. It's not exclusive to basketball or the NBA by any means. It's just more noticeable with basketball players because they're more visible with more games. The walk to the locker room now practically a televised fashion runway. 82 post-game press conferences. No helmets to conceal hairstyles. The most limited uniforms allowing the highlight of tattoos, highly decorative shoes, shooting sleeves, headbands, and other accoutrements. Allen Iverson started a host of trends. Cornrows, headbands, a sleeve on his elbow. Now every scoring guard has one. Kevin Garnett was the first to wear simple rubber bands on his wrist, the only jewelry he could afford as a kid. Those then became a trend to the point that manufacturers were making custom ones. I once had a drawer full of them and did a story on the woman who had the first company making them. Steph Curry has his kids up on his lap during a press conference. Now every guy with kids is doing it. I wonder why headbands made a comeback, but wristbands haven't, as far as I can tell. I can still feel the cushiony softness of those bands. My first pair were white, and later in high school I had yellow ones for basketball. I wish I had been creative and ballsy enough to wear those bands when I was playing soccer as well. That would have been a fashion statement. In any case, whenever you see anything happen in the NBA, pretty soon you're going to see it in college and in high school all the way down the line. Every kid mimicking the stars. Uh, But 
That's not how I was in high school. Or actually, that's exactly how I was in high school. I was a copycat too when it came to styles or appearances. I wanted to associate myself with greatness. I wore Adidas because that's what my idols wore. Essentially, the entire German World Cup team. I wore the number 10 once I had first choice of numbers because the greatest players in the world, soccer players, wore it. Pelé, Johan Cruyff, Zico, Ronaldinho, Maradona, and now Lionel Messi. I trained with my socks down because that's how I saw the pros do it. I played with my socks up because that's what I saw them do as well. You get the point. I bring all this up because of Giannis Antetokounmpo and his otherness and how for all that he's done and all that he is, he's not appreciated or celebrated to the level that he deserves. I'll be the first to admit there was a time when I didn't appreciate or celebrate him. I thought he was overrated. It wasn't his fault. It was the fault of my media brethren who voted him the league's most valuable player back-to-back years based, I can only assume, on his statistics and the Bucks having the league's best regular season record back-to-back years. I resented that MVP was reduced to a statistical competition. My idea of what makes an MVP has always been rooted in how valuable a player is to a team winning and in the NBA, winning comes down to being able to score or create a bucket for a teammate in the final minutes of a game. It's the most essential ingredient an MVP can have because it's the most valuable and rare ability a player can possess. Giannis didn't have that. Not then. He was a bigger, longer, more athletic version of early Julius Randle. The Julius Randle who didn't have three-point range. Julius' strength was attacking the rim, but you knew at some point, going left or right, he was going to try to get back to his left hand to finish, and he wasn't going to try a mid-range jumper. With Giannis, it was spinning back to his right. Good teams had no problem anticipating that spin and sending a second defender as soon as he picked up his dribble, forcing him to either cough up the ball, stop and look for someone, anyone, to pass the ball to before he got a three-second call, or heave some sort of force shot that had little chance of going in. He got his numbers because he was such a... That's the reason he's called the Greek freak. He was an athletic freak. He played hard. He was smart. But he wasn't particularly skilled. Not in the skills that matter in closing games. My question was never whether or not Giannis had the guts to be a closer, but whether or not he'd ever developed the skills to be one. And that's where I differed from other NBA analysts. They always seemed to be confused. We had the same question, whether or not Giannis could be a closer, but for different reasons. Kendrick Perkins, Stephen A. Smith, and others suggested that Giannis didn't have the mentality of a closer, that he was a Robin, not a Batman, that he wasn't mentally tough enough to handle that responsibility. And why? I can only speculate that it's because he didn't carry himself the way closers generally care themselves, with a brazen confidence, beating their chest, demanding the ball with the game on the line. It's arrogance, really. I don't know if any of you saw Kevin Porter Jr.'s antics the other night competing against Steph Curry, but that, I believe, is what most NBA players and fans associate with being a closer or a dog, a gamer. Irrational confidence. In-your-face confidence. 
trash-talking confidence. Devin Booker's style, an attempt to intimidate confidence. I can only also only speculate where that comes from. Growing up in a culture where unless you were loud and aggressive, you got run over or forgotten, left behind, discounted. Squeaky wheel gets the grease, closed mouths don't get fed. Boys making it out of the projects or slums, young men, invariably black young men, through sports, particularly basketball, is a well-established narrative. And to make it out, a kid has to be extraordinarily tough, particularly if he or she is making it out as an athlete. Tough like Denzel Washington in Training Day. Whether a kid is loud and brash like Denzel's character Alonzo Harris, or a little more stoic like Marlo Stanfield in The Wire, he has a certain unflinching, cold-blooded demeanor coming out of that environment. It's why you hear commentators say, he comes from the south side of Chicago, or he grew up in Queens, as if that automatically defines a player in some way, usually defining his resilience or toughness or attitude. The inference is that the kid is beaten out of him by the cruel and sometimes ruthless environment, that he has no choice but to become a man well before his time. Knowing that Kendrick Perkins, for example, comes from Beaumont, Texas, I'm sure he believes growing up there is part of what has made him successful. For those who don't know, Beaumont is in southern Texas, about 25 minutes north of Port Arthur, hometown of Stephen Jackson. They are considered part of the metropolitan area, part of the same metropolitan area. I've been to both. There are 11 prisons and jails in their county, one for every 23,000 citizens, one of the greatest concentrations of penal institutions in the country. It is an area where oil companies once had wells everywhere, since abandoned, leaving a wake of rusty derricks and houses abandoned by workers who migrated elsewhere. But not everyone responds to the stimulus of their environment the same way. To be clear, the premise that someone has to be really tough to come out of a tough environment is not true. At least not in the way that we think of tough in terms of competition and sports. I have a friend who also comes from Beaumont, a white kid. Didn't grow up with much more than Perk, I'm pretty sure. But he had far different dreams. Crazy dreams for a kid from South Texas, to be honest. He dreamed of surfing. He became a scientist. He lives near me here in Northern California now. I'll never talk to him about exactly how he got out of Beaumont, but I will, I promise, next time I see him. The fact that I'm doing this podcast and talking about this subject just made me think about the fact that I've never heard his story in terms of how he got out. I just know this. Not every kid who makes it out of Compton or the Bronx or Inglewood or Beaumont or Port Arthur or Tomball, home of Jimmy Butler, has to single-handedly fight his way out. My FS1 colleague, Marcellus Wiley, will tell you he didn't, getting out of Compton. He didn't fight. He ran, anytime something looked like he was going to jump off. Marcellus might have been a beast on the field, but he is a gentle soul off it. Same with Anthony Davis. He is a soft-spoken, happy-go-lucky guy to this day. Don't let the brow or the scowl fool you. Or the grumpiness over now having his toughness challenged on a regular basis because he can't stay healthy. Yes, he's from the tough side of Chicago. 
No, he's not tough as a result. So not every kid is toughened by that experience. And not every kid who comes out of a more stable, less threatening environment is soft. That was a widely held presumption, both inside and outside the league at one point. I literally had a GM tell me, you don't draft kids who come from a family with a two-car garage because they don't have the requisite hunger and edge and drive to face the challenges of the NBA. Same went for Western European players as, vo- as opposed to Eastern. Too effete, too shell-shocked or intimidated by the toughness, the roughness, and in-your-face attitude of American players. As for the two-car garage idea, well, Steph Curry has pretty much blown that up. There are plenty of earlier examples as well. Which brings us to Giannis. I can't help but think that because he looks so much like other NBA stars physically, black, crazy athletic, long and tall, and that we know a little bit about his hardships, that we think of him being in the same mold as Kevin Durant and LeBron James, both great players who also came from challenging circumstances or environments. I'm sure Perk feels a certain kinship or believes he understands who Giannis is because they both came from humble beginnings and made it to the NBA. Granted, that's very select company. But Giannis's path could not be more different from Perk's than my surfer scientist friend's was. I don't know if that's ever fully acknowledged. Let's start with the prejudice faced that comes with being black. As someone who has spent a fair bit of time overseas since I was a kid, I can tell you that while we think of Europeans and foreigners as being more sophisticated or open-minded or culturally aware than Americans, that doesn't mean racism doesn't exist over there. I've actually seen it displayed in some rather ugly ways and more overtly in some places over there than I have here. I have no doubt that not only being black, but being a black immigrant in Greece, Giannis experienced plenty of that. There are factions in Europe that fear and vilify immigrants as much as our former president did. And not to get political, but next time you think of an immigrant being a freeloader who just wants to feed off our way of living, rape our women, sell drugs to our children, and terrorize our neighborhoods, remind yourself that Giannis Antetokounmpo is an immigrant two times over. Trust that when he was selling watches and women's purses on the streets in Greece just to get something to eat, he wasn't viewed as the upstanding and outstanding member of society that he is now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The experience he must have had being a street merchant having to ignore the dirty looks and other forms of rejection to do what he needed to do, attract customers for his watches and purses, reminds me of a story Damian Lillard's AAU coach told me about taking Damian and his teammates out of East Oakland to sell candy and beef jerky and raffle tickets over in Berkeley, Tony Berkeley, in front of REI and Whole Foods. 
They had to endure the same questioning, nervous looks from the well-to-do, mostly white adults passing by them and pitch their wares anyway, much the same way I'm sure Giannis did. It taught them a resilience, along with an understanding that everyone who is white and well-to-do is not alien and fearful, because there were enough people who stopped and bought whatever they were selling to pay for their tournament entry fees and travel expenses. They would not have had that experience if their coach hadn't pulled them out of Oakland, though. Giannis, I don't know if he would have had that experience if he'd ever not been outside of Nigeria. Before I continue, by the way, I want to mention my sponsor, the men's clothing company, Mizzen and Maine. Fashionable menswear made out of performance material, assuring a close, comfortable fit while still being formal, dress stylish. I wear all of their stuff when I'm on TV. It doesn't feel like I'm wearing actual dress shirts and jackets. I feel like I'm in my my workout gear to be honest with you and it fits the same snug way and i have something for you especially for my listeners try out one of their shirts their joggers polos they got an array of stuff m-i-z-z-e-n-a-n-d-m-a-i-n.com check it out and use the promo code buker my last name b-u-c-h-e-r 3535 for $35 off on your next order. Again, B-U-C-H-E-R-3-5, mizzenandmain.com. Let them know that I sent you. All right, so Giannis didn't just face prejudice because of his skin. He also faced it because he wasn't even a Greek citizen. He didn't speak the language. He didn't write it. He also didn't have his entire family around him. His grandparents remained back in Nigeria looking after one of his younger brothers. And let me say, Nigeria too can be a dangerous place, even for its citizens, especially those who have any degree of success. I went to the first NBA Basketball Without Borders camp in South Africa and at the time met a 16-year-old player from Lagos, Kenichukwu Obi. When it came to the possibility of him turning professional, he and the people around him were reluctant to have any of it publicized because if word got back to Lagos, it would inspire someone to kidnap one of his relatives and hold them ransom until Obi paid for their release. Whatever Perk or LeBron or KD went through his kids, having a relative kidnapped in order to get their Nike-sponsored team to pay up wasn't one of their concerns. The challenges Giannis faced getting to where he is required the development of a different set of skills. Yes, a Greek team saw his potential as a basketball player and gave him the means to develop. But being a promising seven-foot basketball player in Greece has even less cachet than being one in the U.S. And while we know all about the seven-footers and super-athletes who end up making it, there are hundreds, if not thousands more, who have gained nothing from their unique physiques other than a challenge in finding clothes that fit. One of the reasons I believe it has been hard for NBA fans to truly connect with Giannis is that they can't relate. Not just with his ultra-rare combination of size and athleticism, but his journey, his heritage, his struggle. It's unmanageable, unimaginable because the vast majority of us, including most NBA players, 
have never had to endure and overcome what he has. And he's not a copycat. They can't relate to how he approaches being an NBA star. There was a moment last year when he celebrated on the court and someone suggested he was showing up the other team. It wasn't that kind of celebration, but Giannis, when asked about it, seemed confused and disappointed that someone would even think he'd look to show up an, appointment, an opponent. His uniform number, 34, honors his parents, a combination of their birth years. He doesn't look to work out with other superstars, to hang with the cool kids to get invited to their lunch table. He's not trying to impress you with his pregame fit. He didn't try to capture the world's attention by drawing out his decision to re-up in Milwaukee or toy with the hearts and minds of fans in other cities. I don't fully understand how Giannis wins a championship, is named Finals MVP, comes back and plays an even more mature game than he did last year, and is not the leading vote-getter for all-star votes among players and fans alike. Instead, he was second to KD in both player and fan votes by a decent margin among Eastern Conference frontcourt players. LeBron and Steph both had at least a million more fan votes. What I truly admire and appreciate about Giannis is that he doesn't wear the anguish of where he came from on his sleeve. He has never ever played the victim or advertised how hard it has been being him. He works as hard as anyone at his game, but never once have I had the impression that he has lost sight of the fact that it is a game, that he gets to play and be richly compensated for playing it. It has been a joy to watch Giannis share his acclamation to U.S. culture with us. The discoverer of dunking Oreos in milk. The corniness of dad jokes. There's a genuine appreciation for the smallest of blessings provided by living in America. Not being an NBA player or an NBA star, but simply being in a country where he doesn't have to worry about a relative being kidnapped or being deported. I suppose I get why other superstars look at his approach, his attitude, and they can't relate. The game and being in the NBA means something different to them. And I don't have a problem with that. I only wish there were more fans who appreciated Giannis. And I would say more players, even if he is different, even if he approaches it differently. And not to appreciate him for being great, but for being so damn grateful. Oh, and that quote, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. It was said by Oscar Wilde, and there's actually a second part to it. The complete quote is, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery that mediocrity can pay to greatness. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United Wecast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And in the next episode, we will be tackling the fact that the Phoenix Suns did not have a single starter in or do not have a single starter in the All-Star game and yet far and away have the best record in the league. Is this an injustice? We'll discuss in the next podcast. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.